Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome back to Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart. I'm your host, Zenobia Bailey, coming from the northwest portion of our country, outside of Seattle. And generally, I give a, an overall welcome, and I'm still doing that today, but I thought I would take the time because listeners take the time to tune in to call out, in addition to our listeners in the United States, we have those from China, the United Kingdom, South Africa, Angola, Ghana, and Russia. And these are the listeners that I know about. So for whomever else that might be in the mix, I welcome you. Our subject matter, if you will, title today in the promotional material is, was that a complaint or did I mishear you? Complaints are often comprised of words that hurt. For instance, my response to a dish or even an entire meal that was made by a family member or host that I don't find pleasing is frowned upon or greeted with a few distasteful words. Such reactions give no thought to the labor and maybe even the love that went into its preparation. Someone who may have taken an hour or more to prepare something specifically for me is devalued with that response within just a few minutes. And you know, I have to admit, regretfully, shamefully admit, that there have been a number of occasions where I've turned up my nose or indicated with a facial expression, or maybe even both, that something was not pleasing to me. And I am ashamed of that. But today, today is a new day, and I can start again. Today's chapter is entitled, Woe is Me. So Carol is talking about her husband. She says, Jack came out of the drugstore in Granby, Colorado, laughing. He had just seen a sign below a display for bud spray. The sign said, be a believer, they are coming. 
Someone had scratched a line through the last three words and written instead, they are here and they are feasting. And feast they did that week in spite of the bug spray that Jack had purchased. Words can be just as pesky and cause a great deal more grief than those gnats and mosquitoes. And the pest that bites us often and causes huge welts to the skin of our soul and the souls of those around us is the pernicious habit of complaining. A great many Christians at times are internal and infernal gripers. We complain, we criticize, we grouse, we, gr- we are grouchy and we are grumbly. The truth is we are contentious. Often we put a but at the end of a thank you, as in, thank you, Lord, for friends, but I wish I had more, or I'm grateful for my health, but I wish I weren't getting gray and creaky, or I'm grateful for our home, but I wish we could afford new carpeting. The story is told of a grandmother who was walking with her grandson along the beach. Suddenly, a giant wave swept him away. The grandmother fell on her knees and prayed for his return. Another wave deposited him beside her. Astonished, she looked him over. He seemed to be all right. Then she noticed something and prayed. Thank you for saving his life, but when he came, he had a hat. Perhaps the greatest reason for a complaining spirit is lack of contentment with ourselves, with our situations, with our relationships, and with the world in general. Because we are not content, we become contentious. Our lack of contentment is often caused by our tendency to complain and compare. We start early. The eight-year-old adopted daughter of a friend of mine compared herself to her brother by saying, he's homegrown and I'm store brought. And we keep doing it all of our life. When we are not feeling good about ourselves, it is easy to find someone to compare ourselves to in a positive light. However, I am more prone to compare myself negatively. Years ago, I got caught up in the excruciating process of trying to be the perfect Christian worker's wife. I wanted to be hospitable like Marion, the organizer and housekeeper that Lucy is, have the speaking ability of Leela, possess the gift of counseling like Marina has, and be the gentle lady that Helen is, and on and on and on. Somehow, I was always failing. Then God said to my heart, Carol, who is the person you are trying to emulate? So I started to enumerate. Only then did I realize I was trying to be a composite of about 10 women. 
I painted all their best characteristics into my ideal picture and was killing myself trying to be all those at once. I got the point. God wants me to be me. Sure, he has a lot of rough edges to file away, but he created only one me in the whole world, and I need to be content to be that. Comparison rarely helps, and it is not scriptural. God's word teaches that we are not wise to compare ourselves either negatively or positively. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise or are without understanding. When we compare ourselves with others, we have neither understanding nor wisdom. Rather, in humility, consider others better than yourselves, the Bible tells us. Our contentment or lack of it is often influenced by what we allow to come into our minds. If we are concerned about our speech, we must be careful what we pour into our minds. Reading romantic novels, even Christian ones, could bring despairing thoughts of how our husbands don't measure up to the heroes in those stories. I love good romances, but if I ever find myself starting to compare my husband negatively, they will have to go. Have you ever bought a book and realized by the end of the first chapter that it is junk? Do you throw it into the garbage can or do you rationalize that you'll read it anyway so you won't waste your money? Friend, you've already wasted the money. The question is, are you going to waste hours on it as well? And in the process, dump garbage into the well of your mind. A wise man is hungry for truth, while the mocker feeds on trash. We must also be careful about what we allow to stay in our minds. Many people in our society today wrestle with unbelievable difficulties that cling to their lives like bloodsuckers. They have been victims of emotional or physical abuse, had marriages full of pain and anger, and have been violated, humiliated, and torn apart inside. How they respond to these hurts varies greatly. Some are able, with the help of Christ, to forget those things that are behind them. Others seem unable or unwilling to let the hurts go. They continually relive the ugly situations over and over in their minds. Consequently, they do not think about whatever is love. They keep reloading into their minds thoughts from a tragic past and live in depression and despair as they are haunted by those thoughts. Being careful not to dump trash into our minds and not to allow ugliness from the past to stay there is only the first step. We may get rid of some of the poison, but if fresh Pure water is not constantly coming in. Our well becomes stagnant and foul. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. The cleansing power of the word of God cannot be overemphasized. 
When we stand near a bonfire, we come away smelling like smoke. When we walk through the world, we cannot help being contaminated in thoughts, habits, and speech. We desperately need the daily cleansing of God's word, a time alone with him each day, as well as special seasons of deeply searching for his truth. I would challenge you to look up three things in scripture for which you thank the Lord. Then add three things from the world around you. Each morning, add one more from both the word and blessings God has given you. Then ask God to help you come back to those things and thank him throughout the day. Do this for one month. Also, memorize Ephesians 3, 14 through 20, and direct your thoughts back to that passage every time your mind is free. My hope would be that after a month, you will have learned some new thought patterns that will take over for the rest of your life. The Apostle Paul says, or said, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So, friends, let's put that verse in context. It is preceded by commands to rejoice to be free from worry, to pray, to think about all the wonderful positives of Christ and his word. And it is followed by a verse that tells us beyond a doubt that the ability to be content is given us through the power of Christ who gives us the strength to be content. That says a great deal. If I really am content with who I am, with what I have, and with the situations and world around me, if I can snuggle deep into the arms of a loving God and know with an overwhelming gratitude that he loves me and cares for me, how can I complain? So, folks, I'm going to end there for today. I will not be back next week, but look forward to joining you on the 30th, on September 30th. And until then, may God richly bless you, and may you enjoy grace and peace.